Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, this is your official Leguizamarama spoiler warning. Uh, if you have not watched Amazon Prime's The Power Episode 3 Season 1, um, hop to it. Great show. We love it. And we are going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it a lot. We're going to spoil it for you. And if you were silly enough to listen to this without watching it, when you wanted to know what had happened via the television, well then egg on your face. But you can listen to the first bit. I want to start adding this to the spoiler warnings. Mm. You can listen to the bit before we talk about the show. Yeah. So listen to that, then go watch the show. Perfect. Yeah. Peace. I hate the word. I don't- Hello and welcome to Mission Zach's Leguizamarama, a podcast where two people, uh, two good friends, uh, slowly realise that their favourite actor, John Leguizamo, is making content faster than they are recording podcasts. <laughs> He just doesn't stop working. He is, sh- he is shooting at a rate faster than one thing a week. Fucking hell, John, if you're listening, you know what's nice? A break. Take a break. Take a break, man. You've earned it. Let us catch up. I had this dream, right, of us wrapping up at about year three, but I think the way we're going, we're gonna. it's going to be like five years. Um, and I had this dream of then every time he would do something, mm. we would just add to this podcast and, you know, like – you and I would be like, well, we're done making podcasts. We're doing whatever we do. But it's like, oh, John Leguizamo's made a movie. Let's go watch it. Yep. Let's come back together. But I can't commit to that because I think it would still be a weekly podcast. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it doesn't start. People, like, as we're doing the power, people are like, hey, are you going to do the daily show? It's like, yeah, maybe in two and a half years when we get to it. Daily like, show. The daily show. He doesn't fucking stop. The guy's a workaholic. Yeah, it's Crazy. Do you know he's done like nine Ice Age films? Mm. He mentioned it on The Daily Show. I have watched a bunch of his Daily Show stuff. Like we've we've only done like four. Like we've so much Ice Age to get through. Oh, we've got to get uh, uh, Ben Russell back. back on. Get him back on the we'll bloody Because I want to play the Ice Age game as So well. bad. I re- no, as in like I want to play it so bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like we need to address something. So oh. Uh, I want to take this uh, opportunity to let everybody know that I do read the DMs and I appreciate them. And, Zach, we need to officially register an apology. Oh. Because Sean Connery's dead. He died years ago. Did he? Yeah, and we did a bit on how (laughs) he's dead. We got maybe a dozen were yeah. they like upset with us, or no. were they just like, "Hey, FYI"? Just like, F- just, just so I should let you know, no one was upset. I forgot no one was that mad he died. I, and you know what is funny is usually right when when you hear that, yep, it comes flooding back. Yes, you know when I mean? you go, "Oh, of course." Mm-hmm. I have zero recollection of Sean Connery dying. Same, not a clue. 
I remember there were some old interviews of him saying some really crook shit that surfaced. And I'm like, maybe that's very Twitter to choose that moment of his death to resurface those interviews. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's when he died. Maybe, but I just find it interesting that neither you or I knew it. So maybe it didn't happen. It did. Well, it's because he retired. I mean, my relationship with Sean Connery ended after League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, and we did a really funny bit on how he was enjoying his retirement. But turns out he's not really enjoying his retirement anymore. Well, who knows? I believe in another plane. um, and I don't actually. (laughs) Every time I try to stay out of religion and politics uh, just because I can't be bothered. Yeah. But then, but then I often make jokes about being religious, and I'm like, oh, I, then I'm like, oh, I should probably mm. clarify, but maybe I shouldn't. Doesn't nah, matter. It doesn't matter. You don't. You don't get to know what I believe. I just wanted to let everyone know. <laughs> you don't get to know. That's that's for me. That's for and my God. <laughs> Speaking of. This is gonna be. How is this a segue? How could what I just said have a speaking of? Oh no, that it's that exactly what you just said. Yeah. Um, and I don't want this to. No, it's not going to turn because I genuinely enjoy them. Probably not for the reasons they want me to, but um, occasionally, and it started in 2020 pandemic time. I fall into little holes for a couple of hours of um, Christian YouTubers. YouTubers. Yeah. I, I've definitely had a Christian TikTok and Christian Instagram Christian reels. Christian TikTok as well. Like it's all one and the same for me. Oh, it's so funny. It's, it's so, so I enjoy them deeply, but they are so funny. Just like um, what? they've all got a semi, you know, like you're not that you can see it. You just, It's just like. funny i saw a video once on a married christian youtuber couple and this isn't genuinely me shitting on them it's just my life is so deeply far removed from them and yeah. they are not listening to this podcast and if you're christian and you listen whatever whatever it's not a i, I'm just I saying, got no beef with um, you they were doing no a um me. they were doing a fun little q a right like mm. a, um can you i'm gonna ask you a question like zach if i was to play this game with you i'd be like hey zach when's my birthday and then you'd write it on a whiteboard turn it over and we'd find out whether you were right or not <laughs> so married couples were doing this this married christian couple <laughs> and um the girl asked uh sorry the woman asked her husband um how no no sorry the husband asked his wife how many girls have i kissed and then there was like, ooh, that's a, that's a, wow, this is getting juicy. Yeah, this is yeah. juicy. And she wrote two and turned it around and he goes, oh, it's actually three. <sighs> and she was like, what? You never went. He, he was like, when I was 14 years old, um, I pecked a girl on the lips. Uh, and, um, like, obviously I repented and obviously I prayed to God about it and, like, I believe I've been uh, that that sin has been like eradicated from my body, my mind, and my soul. But I did do it, and she's like, "Well, I didn't know, praise Jesus, that you did something like that." <laughs> I was just like, "This is so funny!" Like, I just it was just it's so deeply far removed from my life, from like your if, lived experience, from my lived yeah. experience. Yeah. I once went to a party where I kissed like twenty seven people. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I was at uni. It wasn't 27. That's a stretch. But like my first ever Arts Academy party. You know like, those moments you have where you just like, like you'll be walking down the street and it'll just like hit you like a bolt of lightning. Mm. This like this memory of you being really drunk in the bushes of a backyard yeah. in Ballarat. Oh, and don't. Just, and you're just like, I don't know who that was. No. Or when that, like I just. Some of the shit <laughs> like that, like I think back to when I was 21 at university that is just so fucking insane. That's so funny. And, that, and, like, if that was presented to me at 35 years old, how I would just have a full-blown panic I'd, attack. I'd go. I would leave this You'd realm. You'd go and join in. No, I would just drift <laughs> oh, away. I would just have like... the most out-of-body experience because it was just, like, I, I'm, like, I'm filtering in my head, is there one I can share? But not really. I just have this memory of one night where I kissed this girl and... They were like a friend of someone that was at the party, but was like, I didn't really know that person. It was like someone that went to our uni, but I didn't really know them. They were like in a completely different course. Mm. They were completely different, you know, year level. And then they had like this friend there. And then I just have this memory of kissing them in the bushes of the backyard. Mm. And then it didn't go any further. Nothing happened. But it's just like for the light, I'm like, I... I have no idea who that person is. Yeah. Like just just this one yeah. night and it's just like it's so funny to me as a 32-year-old. Yeah, I just remember like at uni you're so like your little like the university that we went to anyway, I can't talk for other arts academies, but there's like 25 people in your year level mm. and you end up becoming like a very – it's funny actually I had uh, someone who I went to uni with in my class come to see my Melbourne International Comedy oh, Festival show. Good, good segue. Good, uh, uh, good plug. Well, no, it would be out. There will be like three shows left. But, but still you know, come. come those three shows. <laughs> my God. For the love of God. <laughs> yes, you don't, don't, <laughs> no, yeah, please come. Run that race all the way to the end, Mitch. <laughs> um, and uh, you kind of create this weird little dysfunctional family. You're always with each other, like constantly, like, and you're all from very different little walks of life, sort of. You're all arty people, so whatever. Um, but you don't really talk to the people from the other courses, so like musical theatre, graphic design and stuff like that. But then when you all go to a house party and you get shit-faced, all of a sudden you're like rounding second with them. <laughs> like, and then that happens. And then it's so normal. Rounding second with a graphic designer so, yeah. in some bush. Yeah, graphic designer in, in some bush, hedge. in some hedge in Ballarat. In a, out the back of a really dilapidated rental <laughs> little miner's cottage yeah. <laughs> with seven people living in it that's oh, so uh, <laughs> very i just funny. and like i just remember waking up like so we had a like we've talked about this our house where zach and we i were party together. house we, we were, were at the party house which is hysterical to me as to where i am i find like groups of more than five hard now. Yeah, yeah yeah but I, I lived at a party house i uh the wild thing for me right is i had a big night a few weeks ago, right? And then afterwards someone was like, oh, Zach was like, I've never seen him like that before. And it's just like I forget that there are people that I know. Oh. I was there. Is this the night I was there? Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, this okay. was a different night. That was pretty chill, right? Yeah, no, but I the night that uh, like we a few weeks ago that yeah. – uh, we went a little bit hard, they say, as we got home at 2 a.m. Yeah. Um, but I remember there was glimpses where I was like, oh, there he is. <laughs> little memories of Zach ben that Russell, I first met. Ben Russell, I think, calls it Party Boy Zach. Yeah. And and for me, right, everything I am now is holding Party Boy Zach at bay. Like I am the damn holding back Party yeah. Boy Zach, right? 
And so that's my interpretation of who I am. Yep. Uh, and then I'll, I'll, someone will see Party Boy Zach and they'll be like, oh, mm. that's funny. That's not who I imagine Zach to be. Yeah. And I'm like, and maybe it isn't, but it's like, oh, no, that, that, I feel like that's closer to who I am. Yeah. Well, that's the Zach I, I met. Like, that's the Zach I, I know, like, from my youth. But I just, I think of, like, when we lived together in this party house, we would wake up the next morning after, like, a big oh. house party. We'd wake up in the morning, but it'd be, like, 11 a.m., and we would just, like, flop out of bed and just kind of sludge our way to the lounge room, and there would be about three people just sleeping in there. Yeah. In and amongst their filth. Like, and like just covered like, in like old sticky goon and mud, no shoes, tit out, like just passed out. And then they would wake up and you'd be like, oh, hi, Steve. <laughs> oh, so <sorry>, Steve. <laughs> it's like, hi, Steve. And he'd just be like, oh, hello, how are you going? And then you'd have breakfast together knowing that like you fingered each other. <laughs> no, but it was... <laughs> it's just, it was the most crazy shit. But it's literally the idea, right? Imagine now having a hundred people in your house, over a hundred people I in your house. I would absolutely burn the house down. Walking around in the mud and then walking through your house. The floors were sticky. I remember the floors. Oh. And we would bring the outside bin inside the house. Yep. And just walk around putting <laughs> like... All the, all the, like a bin's worth of like yeah. fucking rubbish and, and stuff. And we wouldn't have had cleaning product to clean floors because we didn't really know how to clean properly because we were essentially children. So to clean the sticky, grog, bloody, gross dirt floors, we'd just use like lukewarm water <laughs> and some sponges. And then sit down and watch ABC. Yeah. And eat a whole chicken. <laughs> Do you know what I love about this, right? I felt really bad that we were, like, um, joking about Christians because I don't like being mean to anyone. No, I'm not being – I'm saying I find it entertaining. It's probably not for – there is – as I do not judge you for kissing two to three people, you should not judge me for – Flopping about in a dirty lounge room. But this is what I love, right? Is I did like I felt a little bit bad about like giving them a tease, and then like our story just then. I feel like anyone listening that is Christian, yeah, and a particular kind of Christian, right? Like we all know you might be a Christian person listening to this, and you might be like, not me. Mm. It's a particular kind. Oh, of, of course, Christian, yeah, right? of course. Um, where we would have gone, we would have said the thing about the bit teasing, teasing their little videos. Mm-hmm. And they would have been like, ah. Oh. And then we would have talked about like fingering people in, in, in the hedges of Ballarat. And then they would have been like, well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel good that we gave them something to feel superior about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, well, at least I wasn't sleeping in my own filth. <laughs> Like, I feel less guilty. Now, oh, yeah. You know? And the, the, the thing is, like, fair. <laughs> I'm not going to get angry at you yeah. for being like, that's fucking disgusting. Yeah. 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 It's, We're all flawed, man. It's, all like, fu- it's pretty fucked up, man. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> anyway, I don't know how we got onto this. Uh, I don't um, know. Sean Connery's dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, I feel like we could talk about the power now, unless yeah, there's anything else you want to talk about. No, that's cool. Um, let's talk about the power. And hey, here's an ad. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> okay, good ad. Um, <laughs> all right, so I'm going to do blurb for the power. Um, fuck, I'm fucking, I'm fucking loving this show. I really am. Wow. I really am. You know. And I think that uh, true Leguizama Rama listeners, not true ones, ones that have been listening for a while that have a good memory, right, mm. would know that um, Zach and I do our best to not discuss the show outside <laughs> of the pod before we record. Um, we want to save it for the pod. But I did message Zach last night just saying, I love the power, or today. Today. I also love, um, you know, most podcasters try to keep it a little bit vague as to what their opinion is on something until like the end of the podcast when they give the rating. Mm. I love that before you even did the introduction, <laughs> you're like, by the way, I love this. Here's my introduction. <laughs> okay. Uh, Amazon Prime's The Power Season 1 Episode 3 opens with a big old plane crash. Mayor Margot, played by Tony Collette, rocks up to assess the crash, but the governor pops in and short of telling her to go and make sandwiches and do laundry like a good woman, he asks her to leave. <laughs> The crazy-ass electric hands in teenage women seems to be spreading rapidly and the world has gone into panic. These girls are being taken out of schools and held in holding booths in the gym. Meanwhile, politicians around the globe are doing their best to convince the world that the whole thing is a hoax, but Leguizamo and Tony Collette do some super sexy MRI test on their daughter and discover that it's actually an organ that has developed uh, in women through in their chests out of necessity like as a protective thing. It shines through their collarbone and makes a bunch of shit explode. At this point, I started to think that maybe the whole show was a metaphor. Uh, Tony Collette ignores the governor's request to fuck off and goes on live television to inform everyone that this crazy ass electric chest about this crazy ass electric chest organ. And also um, it can be spread to other people. It's probably worth noting as well. John Leguizamo continues to play the ultimate daddy. Daddy Guizamo. Mm. Um, so Mish, yeah. I love that you've said you love it mm -hmm. and I'm sorry to make this a thing, Yeah, but you know, like when they're talking about organs, when they're doing scans and they're saying this is another, another step in human evolution, you know what genre we're watching, don't you? Look, okay. <laughs> I received a DM a week ago. Was it, were they mean? No, oh, okay, they weren't. It was, I don't want to anything, encourage no, anyone to be mean. I've gotten a couple that's kind of like, hey, Miss, just letting you know that this is the genre, blah, blah. This one was just someone who had never messaged me before. They don't follow me, but they DM'd me on Instagram that just said, you're watching sci-fi. <laughs> that is all it said. <laughs> they have never spoken to me previously. I don't think they've ever, ever like liked anything I've done. They don't follow me. They just sent me a direct message that said, you are watching sci-fi. That's it. Did they talk about the power? Nah. Oh, that's so good, yeah. Mish. Yeah. That's so funny and true. Yeah. This show is sci-fi and it was a little vague. It was a little like, oh, is it sci-fi? Is it magical realism? And then as soon as they said organ, mm. I was like, oh, we might lose Mish on this. Okay. And then I got a text message. I got to tell you, for you, you were like, oh, I'm just saying I love, I love this show. For me, I got a text message saying I love this show. And I just thought, well, Mish, 
That means you love sci-fi. No, I want to make something very, very... And this is the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this show for the characters, for mm. the development, the way it's done, the way it's written is beautiful. John Leguizamo, phenomenal. I'm obsessed with Tony Collette, can't stop. The part that's make, that makes me roll my eyes a bit is any time they bring up an eel. <laughs> like... And it like it's now we're on a count of three. Yeah, they they, they, they have mentioned eels, eels lot, yeah. three times, yeah. and that is when I'm like, come on. When they did the but but I will say in terms of the sci-fi element where they do this MRI on their daughter and then they show the picture and they're like, it was very clear what they wanted me to think or believe or, or follow. Right? I find with a lot of sci-fi, they're not so clear. Yeah, this was very much like now this could obviously never happen, but. They are developed. They are now, out of necessity, these young women who need to protect themselves yeah, in some yeah. way are building these organs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just and I'm think like, okay, I understand. But stop talking about eels. I think there's lots of kinds of sci-fi, and and what I would love to find. But we can, you, you know, you can take this and put it on your other podcast if you ever do it. But like, what kind of sci-fi don't you like? I would love to like reframe the thing. Mish doesn't like sci-fi. To what doesn't she like in? All right, sci-fi? here's a really really good example. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I was a big Buffy fan. Yeah. Right. After Buffy, Joss Whedon, bit crook, but Joss Whedon created a show called The Dollhouse. I remember The Dollhouse. I never watched it, though. I really liked The Dollhouse. I, it had Eliza Dushku in it. Did. Love Eliza Dushku. And then because I was such a fan of all of this stuff that was coming out from Joss, I was like, well, I'll watch Firefly mm. then. Ah, yeah. And that, to me, sci-fi. is a perfect example of the sci-fi I don't like. Yeah, I don't love sci-fi. I don't love uh, Firefly. Yeah. Um, Stargate. I, I quite liked Stargate. And... Odd. I hate admitting this, but Blade Runner. I might need to give that another shot again. I watched that about 10 years ago. Blade Runner. Do you know what I would say for Blade Runner? Um, I would say if you ever get a chance to like watch it at the Asta, if you ever get a chance to watch it on the big screen, because so many of the images, because it's very slow, it's very slow. And I struggle with how slow that film Mm. is. But I think on the big screen, there's much more of a sense of, okay, we're not needing to cut as much because I can move my eyes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a really detailed image. Um, So there's a lot going on. So I can move my eyes and look at all the things that are going on. Mm -hmm. But when it's on a TV, it's like, oh, we're sitting on this shot of this thing for a really long time. Yeah. So if you ever do give Blade Runner another go, I would say try and do it at a cinema. Um, Because I, I think Blade Runner is tough. I think it's harder than people admit. Like, I think it's very slow and tough, but I think it accumulates into something really beautiful. Okay. Um, the f- final scenes are really beautiful. But no, I get you. I get it. I think it's like a type of sci-fi. I think you don't like a, a type of sci-fi. And I'd love to, you know, we don't need to know the answer yet, but it's like there's something there. I know what mm. it is. I know what you're saying. I'm not a big fan of aliens. Mm. Like... I like the movie Aliens. Aliens is a great film. Yeah. Um, but I don't but see then I also like the fifth element and that has weird space. Yeah, I think creatures. it's just I think you just there's some sci fi films you don't like, like any genre. Maybe it's a trauma response. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but it just doesn't do it for me. But This one does. Yes, but what I'm preferring is the characters and the development. It's not the what does this the thing about this show that is exciting me mm. isn't 
well, what is this organ and how does yeah. it develop and where's that going to go? And, oh, if it's passing on to these people, will it then manifest its blah, blah, blah. What I care about is what's happening with John and Tony? Do you know, <laughs> like- <laughs> I would say, I, this is where I agree with you, I don't mind the organ stuff. Like I have no issue with the organ stuff. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Um, but if they cut it mm-hmm. and they just made it, for some reason this is happening, we don't know why. Yeah. I would like it just as much. A hunch scent. Like I got no issue with it, but I, it, it would work just as well in as a one day this started happening. Yeah. Is it science? Is Mate. it magic? Is it faith? Hunch. Sometimes I like those question marks on a thing. Absolutely. I, um, I, uh, I think the one thing that's really interesting about this show, and I, and I haven't landed on an opinion on it yet, but it's, it's, It's opening up something for me. This is not really a funny thought, but it's opening up something for me about the notion of the closer you are to real life, the harder the uh, onus is on you as a writer to make every plot point, every step of the story more believable. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's just this interesting thing as it's rolling out, like where I go... It's just an interesting thing where like, it's like, oh, is that, is that how people would react or where, where is, what's the, Mm. and like the balance of like, um, who knows what, what is the thing, the confusion of it. That would be a really hard thing to write. I think like, you know, when there's vagueness and I was like, I was like wondering the, like, as I watched this one where where I was like, there's a part of me that was like, oh, I wonder if it would be interesting if I if they didn't know about the electric hands until like episode two or three, like depends if there were more going. question marks and that's where I'm like, it depends where it's going. Mm. I'm intrigued by where it's going, but it's like, it's an interesting thing of like, what are they building to? Like, yeah. what's this? Cause it's, it's interesting. Those sort of like those thought exercise films, it's almost a genre unto itself. It's like, what if this happened? Yeah. What would happen to the world if this happened? Mm. Um, is really interesting and it's like it's a very challenging thing to get right. Yeah. Um, but also it's, it's again, not the stuff that interests me the most about this show. The stuff, it, it, it is, I'm more interested in like less in the contagion sort of vibes and more in the like character. Character. I think it is like I, what I think is so interesting about this show and there are very few, I can think of some, but very few shows that do it and do it really well is it doesn't really isolate a lot of audiences. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like when I, when we first started watching it, like episode one, I was like, I think that this show is for teenagers, mm. you know, kind of like when I watched Stranger Things for the first time, I was like, okay, I think the target audience is teenagers, right? But then this last episode had like quite the few adult themes, a lot mm. of political messaging, like, and I'm like, no, no, it, a lot of swearing. <laughs> like mm. I was like, no, no, I think they really have made this accessible to a lot of people. Yeah. Which I think is very interesting. But I think for me, it's this amazing character study. Like I'm real. I don't think she was in the episode much, but you mentioned it last week. The Eastern European. That Tatiana woman. Yeah, What's going on with all. her? Yeah. That's what is going on with her. Um, but no, it's just like, but they keep introducing newbies. Like, they keep introducing, like, the woman who can hear not Angela Bassett in her head, right? They've um, She's found herself at, like, this 
housing, place. yeah, like almost like a, a like what is it like a like a school or something? It's like, like a, it's like an orphanage sort of place, but it's it's but it's nuns that have moved away from the church. Yeah, because they believe that this electric hands and chest thing, yeah, is is real. <laughs> And um, they've kind of taken to look after these girls, I think. And they might have. It feels like they were the first to clue on to it. Yeah, but and all these new cats. Like, I'm and I'm so. And I said it in episode one. I'm I'm sorry. I'm kind of like trying to find my words here. I've said it in episode one. Like, it's really hard for me to maintain interest in twenty seven different characters. Yeah. But this show makes me want to try my hardest. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're all really interesting and like. I got really invested in that Roxy character, the the British. She wasn't in this at all. Not at all. Like phenomenal. Like what's the guy? What's going on with Roxy? It really feels like a show that is um, one story. Yeah, it's interesting to watch it weekly because it, this is one that really feels like a binge show. It mm. feels like uh, I wanted to watch another one. I've stopped myself. Yeah, because yeah. I want to be fresh for the pod. But it feels like. Um, it feels like a show that is uh, every story, like the way they'll not address a character's story for a whole mm. episode because they're telling something bigger. Yeah. Which is cool. It's just, I'm just so cool. fascinated, but it is really one of those things where it's like, if I was a reviewer and yeah. I only had three episodes, I would really struggle to give it a review. It's like, I would need to watch the whole thing yeah. before I form an opinion on it. Yeah. But it's very interesting and it's asking really interesting questions. And, Beautiful and cliffhangers as well. Beautiful, but- like final, like not even cliffhangers. Like final scenes, like yeah. they do these little poetic moments, like where it's like where it goes into the bigger picture and it goes into the, it, 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 there's like, it, like it steps away from the story of it mm. all and it just goes into the imagery and feelings mm. and vibes. And that's when it's at its best, I think, is when it's just like vibe mm. town. You oh, know what so I mean? Let's, like let's fucking take an express bus to vibe town with what I'm about to tell you yeah, right great. now. I think my favourite part of this, and this has been my favourite episode so far, I think my favourite part of this episode, and it was so simple and so easy, but it was vibe fucking city, son, was when at the end Tony Collette, the mayor, is doing, like has obviously completely ignored the mm. governor and has gone, I'm going on national fucking international live. I'm going on live television and I'm telling the world that this is not a hoax mm. because that's fucked that we're doing this. Like we have to tell people. She gets up there and on live television she says, this is not a hoax, this is what it is, this is what we know about it, and this is how we are hoping to move forward with this. And while she's doing this incredible speech, which is just so defiant and wonderful, does a shot of her daughter who has been so combative with her over the last few episodes and done in a really, really wonderful way of um, a teenage girl whose mother has recently taken on a position in politics that has taken her out of her life yeah, doesn't understand and doesn't get to see her and doesn't sacrifice. really understand it and has been like, yeah, combative is the right word and like doesn't want her mum to hug her or touch her or pick her up from school and just doesn't really want anything to do with her because she feels isolated and kind of rejected by her mum. Does a shot of this daughter, Joss, and it's not like this beaming smile and tears in her eyes. It's just this little glimmer mm. of um, pride in what her mum is doing for the first time, like that she's... 
It's almost this element it's, of it was like, just such a great shot of and whoever's playing Joss, I wish I knew the, the actor's name. Yeah, fun fact, Moana. Moana, that's right, that's right. It is Moana. I said that last week. Well, did you say it? That's yeah. where I heard Mo- it. <laughs> Do you know what I heard last week on this <laughs> podcast from you? Is um it's this beautiful shot and it's done, it's not like this, and you're forgiven, mother, and come home so yeah, I can no, embrace I you until it. it's just this like, oh, there she is. It's there's just something, it's beautiful. There's something to um there's almost this exploration with that character or in that moment that I think is interesting, which is like this idea of what is power. Mm. You know, this is a person that was seemingly in power mm. but was still within the structures that uh, hold her back. And, yep. and the only way to be in power was to sort of kneel at the feet of this governor who was the one that was giving her all the money and blah, blah, blah. And this was a moment of her showing actual defiance and actual, mm. you know, it's a... Um, yeah, it's interesting. And that's where I'm like, I'm really intrigued to see where it goes. Oh, my like, God. I'm so excited for the next episode. Um, um, I was going to look up the director. I wanted to look up the stuff that the cinematography and, and stuff at the end that is really interesting. And I was just, uh, uh, anyway, I keep going, but I'm just curious. I, well, I want to talk about the gym scene. The gym scene? That's a very much a John, when they have got all these girls in like holding cells. Yeah. And John Leguizamo and Tony Collette come in to pick up their daughter and she's wearing these big thick gloves and she's been um she's got one of those ties. What are mm, they called? Ca- cable, cable ties, ties yeah. around her wrist. And John this is just a John Leguizamo moment. <laughs> John Leguizamo has just this incredible moment. Oh it was just so good where he like turns to the the principal who's done this in a panic to these girls, put them in these holding cells and tied his daughter up and just loses it. Yeah. And it's so, it's just so good. It is. He's just a very good actor, isn't he? He's really very good. He's a a really good actor. It's really interesting. And and that's where I'm like intrigued by where this is going to go and where the story is going to settle. Like I think now that it's out, now that she said what she said and everyone knows what what they know. I think it's really now going to hit its stride. Like I think that there was elements here where I was like, who's in charge? What? And I mean, that level of uncertainty is what happens. Mm -hmm. But like the commitment, that bit in the gym was a really powerful image. But I was like, but is that a couple of days too early? Mm. You know, people really doing that without the government doing that, you know. And I was, it's, it's been like, there's been a layer where I was like, what's, but, but that level of uncertainty is good, but it's also hard to grab onto yes. story-wise. Yes. Um, that now that it's out and it's done, and mm-hmm. I feel like why they released the first three episodes, because now it's like, okay, we're in the story yeah. now. Do you know what I mean? Like now it feels like we're ready to go. Yeah. And I, I loved that um, the choice to do the little snippets of different politicians around the world going, it's a hoax. Mm. It's a hoax. It's essentially a practical joke. This is like, there's no need to panic. It's a hoax. And then Tony Collette comes in and goes, hey, this isn't a hoax and blah, blah, blah. And then the flashes of all the people in political power around the world going, this is how we're going to manage this. And this is how we're going to do this. It's amazing. And it's, isn't it was it? just so well done. That is and true. hey, not to play the big old COVID card, but it's very kind of like, they're obviously draw- they obviously draw. They mentioned it. They mentioned the pandemic in the show, yeah. like drawing the parallels between that kind of universal panic and where people kind of put their priorities in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Just really, really well done. 
No, absolutely. I'm so sorry. I'm trying to look up the director and the cinematographer. I am just so glad that John Leguizamo was in this so that I watched it. Yeah, I don't know if I would have watched it if he wasn't. It would have been one of those ones that I really wanted to watch. I would have gone, but oh, never got around good. to it. I, li- I really like John Leguizamo and I really like Tony Collette. Mm. You know, I should check it out. Mm. Um, but no, I, I'm really glad I'm watching it as well. I wish I want to like look at anyway. I'll look it up and talk about it. We've got plenty of episodes to talk about directors and cinematographers. And also, my love for Tony Collette just continues to grow. I just I think I think she's great too. Yeah, I think she's so great, and she's getting a lot of, of like um really interesting press in America. Not not interesting. That's the wrong choice of word. But she's doing all the interviews now, and she's doing well because she's doing. Do you want to go see Mafia Mum with me? Absolutely, I do. Yeah, great. Yeah, let's go see <laughs> Mafia Mum. Um, but no, she's getting like from Mafia Mum and from the Power. She's like doing the Vanity Fair interview. She yeah, did the yeah. breakdown of um all the movies that she's been in, which I think is with Vanity Fair. Oh, or I'd love to watch that. Uh, yeah. Hearing, I know I mention this film a lot. But she talks about Muriel's wedding, yeah, yeah. and I think that the way she talks about it is exactly why I love. I she goes, she said film. she calls it the saddest um, comedy in the world, and yeah. I like that. Like she goes, it's the saddest comedy. Yeah, it's just like, I, I gotta watch. It, it really again. is because all I remember is it being sad. Mm. But I think now that I'm older, I think as you get older, you're just sad more. Yeah, and you're okay with sitting in sadness. Mm. Like I was a kid, and I was like, why is this so sad? Yeah, but I feel like if I were to watch it now, I'd be a bit more like open to seeing the humour in it. I don't know why, but I really, I don't know how I'm going to do it or what I would put it on or how the platform would be, but if someone ever wants to hire me for this, I would love to do a write-up on Muriel's wedding. A write-up? Like I'd love to do a, like a, a Little, article uh, about article. it. Article, yeah. yeah. I would really love to. You're I at think The Guardian having a listen? Hit hey, us I've up. Been, I've been publishing The Guardian Yeah, there before. you go. Yeah, hit us up. Yeah. That's a joke. You, no one's listening from The Guardian. Yeah, that's true. There's four people. But I would love to. I that's I would really love to do a deep dive into that film it's because that's film. like, oh yeah, it's like one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. I, but I just yeah, I really want to watch it because I just remember it being sad. Oh mate, you've got please watch it again. Like honestly, I like I think I watch it every year. Yeah, like I think I'm just I'm keen to watch the comedy of it. Yeah, see it as a comedy because I don't think I've ever seen it as a comedy. Yeah, well, she like Tony Collette's like says, and I, I I keep saying Vanity Fair, but it might be Glamour or something. Oh, I don't know. In yeah. her like, and then you know, the breakdown of, of your now. movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she says like when people think of that film, they think, oh, this must be a raucous comedy because they think of that Abba scene mm. where her and Rachel Griffiths are singing Waterloo, um, you- in front of the bullies, right? Um, but she's like, but it's just a tragic film. Like That's, it's it's one of those real the like- character that plays the mum. In Muriel's wedding, or the character who is the mum in Muriel's wedding, is just like one of the most tragic cinematic characters tragic. I've ever ever seen. I it's think just maybe like- it was just because the the framing of it was ABBA comedy. Mm. It kind of was marketed much more as a comedy than yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. Even just look at the cover. Like, so I loved it. I loved it with Magic Mike. With Magic Mike, it was a pleasant surprise. That it was a drama. That it was like quite an interesting drama about mm. a person in his late 20s that's like lost and yeah. has, has done one thing for so long but is never going to find. Yeah. Um, that would be such an interesting – sorry to interrupt you. No, no, that's great. Um, that would be such an interesting conversation to have with like an Alexi of what are movies that were marketed a certain way that were actually a different The, the number one is the Mexican that's like the biggest oh, yeah. example because that was like a weird, it was Gore Verbinski, weird kind of 
indie thriller type thing mm. and it was marketed as a romantic comedy. That's a Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts comedy. I liked that film. Yeah, but there's one kiss. They kiss right at the end and that's the poster. Yeah. But I, people didn't like it because it was like, this is not. Not what I came to you see. You know, it's, and it's like. I could totally see that movie again. Yeah, I well, I can't remember because again. all I remember is it not being what I expected mm. it to be. And sometimes that's a pleasant surprise, mm. but usually it's just like, well, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah. I um, It's like Bojack Horseman to a degree. I think a lot of people went into that going, this is going to be straight, funny, raucous comedy, but apparently, and I've not seen it, I it's love quite that sad. Yeah. But that that's one where they like, where they earn it, where you come in, they go, here's all the comedy you were expecting, but slowly, 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 now it's a drama. Mm. You know, whereas I want examples different from like something that's just been marketed wrong. To anyone listening, under whatever post we post about this on Instagram, can you please tell me movies that were like, a surpri- I'm in- interested to and know. And like pleasant surprises pleasant is what surprises. I'd be interested in. But both. But what was a pleasant surprise? What did they mark it one way? Like I like I genuinely think of uh, um, of uh, Magic Mike as a pleasant surprise. Yeah. But I think a lot of people didn't. A lot of people went to see Magic Mike expecting mm. what was Magic Mike XL. Mm. XXL, XXXL oh, or whatever. I've got another one. Okay. Uh, Return to Oz. Was marketed as a kids' film, yeah. and it's one of the fucking scariest movies ever. It's like a horror. Yeah, there's a lot of horrors or th- Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. What was that? Oh, that wasn't as? really marketed, but that was fucked. Pan's Labyrinth yeah. is a, such a good film, but it was like this fantasy. Yeah, kind I of think thing I think people were expecting fantasy violence, and then that it had such horror violence, like yeah. well, like real violence. Yeah, oh, and you know? yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, there's another, I had one on the tip of my tongue before you said, what were you talking about before Pan's Labyrinth? Uh, Return to Oz? Yes. Nah, it has escaped me. Okay. I had one that I was, oh, um, they do it a lot. I think that's kind of a bit of a thing with horrors is like you can kind of sneak in other genres so mm. long as it's got enough, like The Gift, remember The Gift yep. Um, yep, with the Cape- Jason Bateman? Yep. No, not The Cape Blanchett one. Oh, okay. Jason Bateman, Oh, The Gift and um, Joel, Edgerton. Joel Edgerton. Yes, yes. I liked that film. Great film. Yeah. And, but I would almost describe it as it felt like a an Australian crime drama thriller. It felt of that genre. It felt like like something in the animal kingdom kind of territory but with American actors mm-hmm. and accents. But, but the trick is you make that movie – for $4 million and then you just advertise it as a horror thriller. Mm-hmm. And they did. They advertised it as a horror and then it's more of a drama thriller. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's fine. And I, apparently Magic Mike, that was their plan. They were like, I want to, we want to make this movie about this guy in his twenties doing this job. It's a really interesting indie film and we'll just make the trailers, the sexy dancing. Yeah. And who cares if people are disappointed? It's a cheap enough movie. We'll make our money. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how we'll make the movie. Did you like, like Magic Mike? I love Magic Mike. It's one of my favourite movies. Yeah. I, it's a, I Is think, it the surprise that makes you love it so much? I, no, I really like Soderbergh. I think it's just a really subtle, interesting um, drama about a really – and I think I probably watched it at the right time of my life. I think it's just an interesting drama about someone at – a point in their life where mm. the there's something I just had never seen that point in a life represented where it's like, have you, you've seen it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That point in a life where it's not that it's bad. There's no judgment on his lifestyle. It's just, he's done. It's like, it was a great thing to do in his twenties 
and now he's done with it, but how is he going to get out of it? Mm. How How is he going to take the next step in his life? Like that step from sort of almost your early 20s to your late 20s, that, that kind of transitionary period mm-hmm. I, I've never really seen explored where you, you're doing something and now it's time to put that away. Mm. And then the idea that there are people, you know, like I love the uh, there's those older stripper characters that they're just going to do that for the rest of their life. Mm. They're happy living in this space, mm-hmm. but he's he's ready to take the next step. Got to watch it again, hey, because all I can remember is the penises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's, it's no, wild. No, I, I love, I think it's actually... I was about to say one of the best. I wouldn't say it's one of the best, but it's a phenomenal opening with Matthew McConaughey doing the Can oh, You Touch yeah. This? Can yeah, you t- yeah, yeah. It's so well shot and just so well done and it's dirty and funny and, like, it, I love the opening shot of Magic Mike. It's that- got a bit of a similar vibe as um, Saturday Night Fever where mm-hmm. the everything in the club is the fantasy, mm-hmm. everything in the club yep. is what they represent and then the contrast. Yeah. Saturday Night Fever is a good surprise film as well. Very similar Marketed as this like fun dancing film when it's just about a very, yeah. Because both of those movies are this, the, it's the contrast of real life. These people that live for for the club or live Mm. for these moments and it's all about the contrast. And if you just make a trailer Mm. out of the bits that are fun, (laughs) you can advertise a fun movie. It's very interesting that idea of like living for the club. It's yeah. like living for the fantasy that you've created when your real life is just this, yeah. And then that the magic mic that that's uh, you, you, it's following. There's lots of different characters at different points on their journey. Mm. Some that will be in it forever. Him as he transitions out, but then there's the younger character that's coming into the world, mm. almost taking his place. Yeah, and it, it's just this really cool. Like rather than exploring one person's life over a mm. long time, it's just got lots of characters all yeah. at different points and, and making different decisions around the same kind of lifestyle. It's really cool, yeah. I think. Do you know what? It's kind of bringing together talking about you and I living together at uni and now this part, so it's all kind of coming together in a nice little bow at the end of it. <laughs> but um, it makes me think. So like when we were at uni, right? Yeah, great. And we were up. So you don't mind me bringing this up again, do you? So long as you don't bring up the worst of it. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's actually no, but it's like it makes me with that idea of like living for the club and these yeah. old people that never really truly got out, and then uh, Channing Tatum's character just feeling like it's over, but not really knowing how to go about it. Right? We spent three years at university, and I can't speak for you, but I'll speak for myself and like a lot of other people I've spoken to feel the same way. It's like we did this three years in Ballarat which felt very much like a little island that we mm. were all on, right? We all kind of stayed there. We all went to uni together. Half of us all lived together, for Christ's sake. And then um, we shared meals together and it was just like this. And very few people were from Ballarat. You were from other places mm. and you came there mm. to study. And after three years of what was like the most fantastic and bizarre three years Ever. And we all became adults, really. Like we started off there, like coming straight from high school, most of us, or most of the people there, and then kind of left in our early to mid 20s. There was this real, like, you felt very like you're being thrown out of the pool or something like that when you left Ballarat and it was the wanting to stay and like, like, can't we just do this for one more year or how scary it is to leave, to leave the club. Like, yeah, no, I, do you know well, what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like I, I was ready when, when I was ready. Yeah, I, I was, was ready. ready, but 
I was scared because I'd become so comfortable and this weird little fantasy thing that was happening in Ballarat for this three years with my family. And like I said, I had a, a, a girl who was in my year level come and see my show last night and we we're messaging about it afterwards and we we're saying like, oh, it would be so nice for everyone to catch up, but we'll never get everyone together again. And You're not, not going to get that, the 23 of us together again. Not like, only that, that's a group of 30-year-olds getting together. Yeah. It's not... You're never going to be able to go back to then. Yeah. You can go back to there. Yeah. But you can never go back to then. Yeah. And it's know? like I am so happy to leave the flopping about and the lounge room with the sticky floors and the the eating like canned tuna for nine days in a row. <laughs> I'm happy to leave that. But I remember when I got to the end of the three years, the 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 wanting to live in the club for a bit longer. Like I, I was just not not because I was like this is the best life you could I could possibly want for myself, but because it was really scary after seeing what was quite a after living in such a, a space like a insular community um, to leave. I, I mean, I very had the Amish. same thing. No, but I had the same thing with uh, with uh, when I worked at the cinema. Like that was a really tight knit group of people, and we would all party together, and we would all yeah. And I I, uh, I have similar sort of vibes. It's it's really interesting. Like there are days where I look back at those times, these little windows. There's also like maybe the early Edinburgh years where mm-hmm. like touring to Edinburgh where I go, I have these sort of complex feelings about all these periods of time. And then I'll have a night out. I'll have a big night out. Mm. You know, the other night I was out till four and yeah. I bummed a cigarette from someone who looked like they were in MGMT yeah. and I was smoking that little <laughs> cigarette and I was like, yum, 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 yum. <laughs> and I can't tell you how fucking terrible I yeah. felt the next day. Oh, my God. Like, it's fucked, isn't like it? Like just Fucking foul. Yeah. Just foul. Because not only am I older, yeah. I'm now on the medication I should have been on 10 years ago. Yes. And that doesn't sit so well with the alcohol. Oh, my nor God. Nor does a cigarette. Like a cigarette now just makes me feel like... Like it's just like like I've like a Dementor, you know, oh, Dementors yeah. from Harry Potter. Like one cigarette is fine at the night, and then I wake up and I feel like a Dementor has sucked my soul oh, out yeah. of my body. Oh, oh look. Life outside the club is much better, like, as an adult person now. I'm so glad I left the club, but I'm really glad I spent three really great years in the club. Well, but do you know, I even feel like when I miss it, when I go, oh, I would love to go back to that, it's like not me now. No. I would love to be be 20 again again, and partying. Yes. You know what I mean? I would love to be able to... Get that fucked up, wake up the next day and be okay. Yes, I agree. Yep. I agree what you're saying. But I can't do it now. No. Every now and then, every year or so, having a big night and then getting home and being like, well, that's why I don't do it every night now. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And it's such a fun novelty now. Yeah. But like I think about when we had these fucking house parties, we'd go to house parties, we'd get home at 4 a.m. and have to wake up at 7 a.m. to do a two-and-a-half-hour movement class. Could you imagine? Oh, my God. No, I would die. I actually think I would die, Zach. I used to do, like, shows hungover. I used to do, like, comedy shows oh hungover. Gosh. And just, like, I don't know how I did it. Yeah. I would do it now and it would just be like. You and I did a, a <laughs> thing for Comedy Festival this year that kept us out until 3 a.m. I got home at 3 a.m. That I haven't done that in so long and it fucked me for 48 I felt, I felt hours. Awful. I wasn't even drinking. 
I just was like, just the being up and out and doing and socializing and jumping about literally. It was like, I felt awful the next day. Yeah. I was like given drunk vibes at the end of that night. I had two and a half beers. Yeah. Like I just, I'm old and tired. Yeah. I get it. Hey, can I give you this? Instead of a final thought, Mm. instead of a, do you have a final thought? No. Can I give you a um, film recommendation? Absolutely you can. I'd love one. So the other night I did uh, one of my Lido screenings that, mm-hmm. that I do. I, I screened a movie called um, Road Games. It was my first attempt. All right, I'm writing I, it down. I think we do. Well, Road Games is great. Yep. Road Games I think you should watch. Okay. 100%. I, that's my first. Actually, that is my first recommendation. Right, and it was one of my first attempts at just showing something, like, not funny. I'd done it a bit at the start. We'd done it a couple of times, like, when we did Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, mostly I just do funny stuff now. Um, and if ever you come back, we'll do mostly funny stuff. But I was like, I just want to show every now and then just a fucking rip snorter of a film. And I didn't even do a funny intro. I just got up and was like, this movie's really good. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> But because of that... Did people enjoy it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I hope so. If, if you were there, let me know. De- send me a DM. But I think people enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So I don't really care. <laughs> no, it's just a great film. It was a really good film yeah, to watch on the big screen. So it's worth, it's worth watching, right? It's, it's like um, it's an Australian film, but it's got uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis in it. Mm, I love her. And it's like... Uh, this is not my recommendation, but it's like... Um, it's the plot of Rear Window, you know, Rear Window? Yes. It's the plot of Rear Window, but it's a truck driver driving down the Nullarbor and it's seeing the cars coming past. Like he keeps seeing the same car going past him. So it's like a road version of Rear Window, but it's Australian, but both the leads are American. It's really fucking cool. It's a really cool That's movie, cool. right? But I watched that and I've also seen the film Patrick. So I've really liked this director of this film. He's a guy named Richard Franklin. And I really, really liked his films, but I'd never seen his American stuff. He went to America after Road Games and he did Psycho 2. He did the sequel to Psycho in 1982. Oh, God. Which you would think, like, that sounds like not a good film. No. But Mish, I want you to watch Psycho 2. This isn't the Anne Hesch version of Psycho. No, that's the remake. That's the Gus Van Sant Fucking crazy, which I also want to re- rewatch because, like, what year did it come out? Nineteen eighty-two, I think. It's literally it's Psycho two, eighty-three, eighty-three, Psycho two. But um, he came back. What the fuck? The less you know, the better. It's got the original dude in it. Yeah, and it's so good. It's like not. It's just really good, Mish. Really, it's, it's properly good. It takes you a minute because you're like. This is crazy that they're doing Psycho 2, but it's really good. The director uh, is this just mad underrated Australian director, but the writing is really good. Was it poorly reviewed? It was mixed reviews when it came out. Oh, my God. I didn't even know this was a thing. I knew it existed. I didn't know it was good. And it's good, Mish. It's like it's a little more more. The tagline is, it's 22 years later and Norman Bates is coming home. Yeah. Great tagline. (laughs) Do you know how I would describe it? I don't want to give away too much. I really don't want to give away too much. And I think the less you know, the better. But the way I would describe it is 
you know the bit, have you seen the original Psycho? Of course, yeah. You know the bit where the car is going into the swamp? Film students love this bit. Where the car is going into the swamp and it starts to sink and then it stops sinking. Yes. And there's this moment where you as a viewer are rooting for Norman. You're yeah. like, even though you know he's bad. Oh, yeah. Even though there's this incredible moment it's pointed to as like how good Hitchcock was as a director where you go. Oh. Yes. It's like they took that feeling and made a whole movie of it. Mm-hmm. It's a whole movie of like, I don't know how to feel. I don't yep. know where this is going. Okay. It's really interesting. All right. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. The thing is, I'm in the middle of comedy festival right now. Come to my show, Butterfingers, 9.30 Campari House. I haven't been able to watch a movie and I really miss them because I get home late. My show is on at 9.30. Yeah, yeah, it takes a minute. And it's just like, I can't like, um, but I'll tell you what I have been watching a lot. Um, hold on. I'll, I'll say to you, I, I fully get what you're saying. The, re- the reason I became a Star Trek nerd mm-hmm. in the last year was because of the Australian tour of Auntie Donna because that's all I could do was uh, network television. All I could do was get home after a show and just be like, here are these familiar characters. Yep. Here is this plot that we're going to keep you abreast of. It, it's, I fully get it. You're not going to watch a movie for a couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm probably not going to be able to watch one at all. Um, I have been watching when I get home. It's on Prime and it's called The 101 Scariest Horror Movie Moments of All Time. <laughs> Because I can't watch any horror films. <laughs> but it's really, really, it's such a fun watch. Yeah, okay. It's like watching Watch Mojo for fucking six hours. I would, I would, the whole time watching it, I'm a bit of a spoiler boy and I would keep being like, oh, no, I'll just watch the movie. Oh, no, I'll just watch the movie. No, but- it doesn't. Like, I've skipped over one. Like, there was some that I was like, I've sk- I skipped because yeah. I like, I am going to watch that or like whatever. But some of them was just like, that's, I'd, I'm probably never going to get around to watching that. 1972 Spanish indie film. Yeah, yeah. With the one of the scariest jump scares oh, of all time. Oh, but you should though. It, that's a really powerful film. <laughs> the use of uh, um, it was one of the first electronic scores ever done in a film. Mish. But no, it's just it's such. I've, I've really enjoyed watching it. Made me like I like horror films always. Really. Yeah. But it's made me want to like have a proper binge of some really good classics. Like not classics, but like 80s horror. I've gone through all the eras. Like I went through just recently all the 2022, 2023 horror films. Yeah, great. I was like, I want to see all the new stuff. Barbarian, throw it at me. Black Phone, like all the new ones. And then obviously I had my big 90s moment like where I went through. And now I'm like really, I really want to get into um, the 80s ones, which is like a bit of a hole in my knowledge. Well, there. Well, I think it's a weird place to start, but Psycho 2 I'm gonna do it. is a really fun place to start. I'm going to do 80s. it. Yeah. Uh, Mish? Yeah. Uh, what are your Leguistamos? I'm giving it four and a half. I'm giving it four and a half yeah. Leguistamos, and I'm very confident in it. Um, I really loved this last episode. I loved what Johnny was doing. I think that that scene in the gym, mm. not going to say it's his best work I've ever seen, but that was like, I just like, I don't know if it's because we are watching him and probably it is to do with us watching him religiously. Um, and because we were such massive fans before this pod anyway, but every once in a while, John Leguizamo will do a scene, do a bit. And you're just like, fuck, you're good. Yeah. And he just, it wasn't this, like, he gets so mad and he yells and he's like, I'm going to fucking tie that thing around your neck or something. But it wasn't this uber macho John Leguizamo yeah, trying to play Yeah, it was like a very the, real. It was, it was just this, like, this very real five foot five dad has just seen 
and goes up to a six foot fucking principal old dude and just loses it. It was just, I don't know. It was just this really like, fuck you. You've really just, he he gets the assignment, man. You're so right about it's not, it's still, this is still a sensitive doctor husband who supports his wife. But he was like, you're a motherfucker. I'm going to yeah. fuck you up for doing this. Yeah. He plays it exactly right. Yeah. You're so right. I'm going to give it four, uh, which doesn't feel fair because I've given four to things that are like less than this. I'm giving it a four because I just feel like maybe there's more in the tank. Okay. You know, and if I, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like I, I if I, I can see a four in the four. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Four and a half. Mm -hmm. I can see something above this that's not quite a five. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? It might not go there. It might not be his story. I don't think it is. Okay. But I feel like this is a four right now. If we were giving Tony Colette, Colette, Cholesterol. Tony Cholesterol. Tony Cholesterol. Tony Cholesterol. Tony Cole Celestial. Tony, Tony's. Tony's. If we were giving Tony awards. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, to get a good one. But I reckon I'm going to give it four because I see four and a halfs in the future. It has the potential to give us four and a half. Would this get uh, five Tonys from you? No, I think it's a four and a half Tony. See, I think it's four and a half for both. I'm obsessed with both of them. I think it's four Johnnies, four and a half Tonys because of her speech at the end. But, you know, it's not a five Tony. Like a five Tony is uh, six cents gets a five Tony even though she's a supporting actor in it. Of course. Of course it does. She's fucking phenomenal. She's 24 in that film. Are you fucking kidding me? 24. 25. She says it in the um, her thing. In the Vanity Fair thing, watch it. It's really interesting. She was 24 or 25 when she did that film. Fuck off. Fuck off with that. Fuck all the way off with that. that 20. I know I get real weird about the whole she was 21 when she did Muriel's wedding. She was 24 or 25 when she did The Sixth Sense. That scene in the car. She's like a mother with the weight of the world on her shoulders. And she does that scene in the car. No, not even. Not even. Fuck that scene. The scene where she's sitting across from him in The Sixth Sense. Spoiler warning for The Sixth Sense. But she's sitting across from her sons in the first third of the film and she's like, hey, I've lost my pendant and I'd like you to tell me where it is. And he goes, oh, well, grandma has it. And she goes, okay, stop lying. There's no way. She's God, dead. This makes me want to rewatch Six. Oh, Oh, same. I really want to rewatch it. She's like, don't, please stop lying. Like, there's, she's dead. You stole this pendant. And I just need you to say it, please. Like, please say it. Because at this point she's had dealing with all these issues with it. She loves her son. She's like completely loves her son, but she is this working class mum trying her best and her son is like, like getting bullied at school and going through all this shit. Why, why are you looking at me like No, that? I was just like, Tony Collette is so good yeah. at the working class. Like that's a role that is s- so many actors have done. I think she's the best. I actually, I can't think of a better actor. 
than Tony Collette. I can't think of one. I think that I everything they do is believable. When Tony Collette cries, I cry. Like I like yeah. it's, I'm on board. But she's like goes to him. She's like, where did you? Where is the pendant? Tell me where is it? And he's like, I didn't take it. And she's like, okay, you've had enough food. You have to leave the table. You have to go. And it's like the most power it's like how are you 24 that's insane it's insane i just i don't get it i just i could never be that no one can you what how did she realize how good she was do you know she had to leave nida after 18 months because she got like a movie she got they were like get out of school like what the fuck are you doing at school come work in the films Crazy. Mental. Anyway, um, that's enough from us. What's a song with power in it that Tom can? I don't know. What's a song that has the word power in it? I don't know. Just make one up right now. Power, power, power. Thank you. Tom, can you turn that into a song? Mish, uh, thank you so much. Uh, go see Mish at the Sydney Comedy Festival or in the last three shows of her Melbourne Comedy Festival run. And while we're at it, go and watch Auntie Donna's Coffee Cafe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so fucking Watch all funny. six. Yep, all of them. Binge them. Binge them. Binge them real hard. All. Um, okay, bye. <laughs> power, power, power. Power, power, power. Power, power, power. Power, power. Power, 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 power,